Hello folks, uh, Eric from Hit Subscribe here with you today, and uh, <clears throat> this is actually, I think, going to be the last time I record with this particular phone. Not that the audio you're hearing isn't great, uh, but I got a much more modern phone. This mm -hmm. one is five mm -hmm. years old, and I'm pretty excited to be having finally one that's like at all reasonable. So hopefully the video audio quality will get better and all that, and that's a fun thing. Um, now, on to the main topic at hand here today, which is continuing to roll along with the questions that folks ask about freelancing, <clears throat> getting started as a freelancer, and that kind of thing. So today, it's um, if you're a salaried employee, essentially, um, how do you know if freelancing might be right for you? Like, what's the difference um, in terms of how this impacts your life? Um, so I think this is coming from the perspective of somebody who is freelancer curious but has been working uh, salaried roles the whole time and um that's kind of a scary jump for a lot of people so how do you know if you should even consider making it and i'm going to try to talk through that um a little bit today so let me first kind of talk about the differences if you are a freelancer for those of you who maybe have only known salary employment um the first one that i can think of right off the top is that Typically, well, so if you go off on your own as a freelancer, you should charge more than what you make per hour at a salary job. Um, so you will make more money per hour, generally speaking. The rule of thumb I usually suggest if you have an hourly rate is to take your uh, last salary and divide it by a thousand. So if you made, you know, say $120,000 a year, uh, you're going to go out on the market and charge $120 an hour. So you tend to make more money as a freelancer. The market understands this. The market pays freelancers more than employees. Now, why is that? Um, there's a lot of expenses that you suddenly have to start picking up that your employer used to pick up. Uh, there's, <clears throat> it'll be called self-employment tax as far as you're concerned, but what's really going on there is your employer pays some of your payroll taxes. Well, you'll start paying those. Um, if you're a freelancer, nobody's giving you paid time off or holidays. Um, you're paying the whole thing on your um, health insurance. If you're in the U.S., if you're not in the U.S., lucky you because you don't have our health insurance system but if you are in the u.s your employer is probably paying for like 1500 of the two thousand dollars a month your health insurance costs and you will pick that up on your own as a freelancer so there's a lot of extra expenses that you take on kind of in exchange for making more money um, if you're freelancing unlike salaried employment which kind of the arrangement there is typically you go work for somebody and and you kind of both pretend that that will last forever um, like it's an indefinite it's like getting married um, freelancing isn't so much like that there are staff augmentation gigs that kind of go on in quasi perpetuity but usually with freelancing it's expected that you're going to move on more frequently you're going to jump around from gig to gig you might depending on the nature of your freelancing even do multiple gigs at the same time etc so as a freelancer, you're moving around more, which means you have to find your next gig, your next source of work uh, more frequently. Um, you don't have as tight a bond with the people that are paying you. So if you're a um, salaried employee and you fall on a rough patch or something, you know, <clears throat> employers will sometimes like put people into rehab or give them a sabbatical or let them have time off to deal with mental health issues, all kinds of things like the employer, uh, good employers will typically offer a lot of different forms of support because of this sort of indefinite relationship. If you're a freelancer, that's really not the case. The nature of bringing on staff um, that's in the US 1099, like um, uh, non-permanent staff, uh, part of the whole deal there is that that staff, staff is by definition uh, more expendable. That's why you take on a freelancer and pay more. It's kind of like going month to month on an apartment for rent. You're paying a premium 
for the flexibility. So there's really no questions asked if you have a contractor and you decide you don't want to work with that person anymore. Assuming you haven't signed some specific contract, you can just say, hey, uh, we're done. Whereas with an employee, it's you know more involved uh, to uh, have reasons for, for letting people go and there's unemployment insurance. So for you as a freelancer, it's a lot easier and more common for the people that are paying you, um, your clients to just say, hey, we're done. You know, I'll give you a call in six months if we need anything. So um, more and shorter gigs, it's a less sticky relationship. Those are the big things. Um, you know, so the clients care less about you than an employer. Um, you have more things to manage when you're a freelancer. So you have to think about getting paid. Whereas if you're an employee, you know, they just direct deposit and every couple of weeks there's money in your account. As a freelancer, you have to go and actually send invoices and keep track of whether or not you're getting paid. Um, typically as a freelancer, especially if you're letting the, um, the client set the terms, you are, if you're used to getting money like clockwork in your bank every two weeks, that's not going to happen. They'll usually pay you uh, what's called net 30, if not more, meaning that you work for a month, you send them an invoice. And then if you're lucky 30 days after that, so 30 days after you did the last of the work, that's when you'll get paid. So there's kind of a runtime on when you start to collect money as a freelancer. So um, in addition to the finance piece, you actually have some small semblance of like operations and marketing and sales and business things that you're doing. So you have to learn enough about that stuff to kind of control your affairs. Uh, I've talked about this. I'll link to a video for YouTube. Um, uh, you can kind of mitigate that by going with like labor brokerages like Upwork, where you're like, hey, I don't want to do sales and marketing. So you do it. Um, that it's not the route I would pursue, but it's it's an okay thing to do right out of the gate. But understand that if you're going to be a career freelancer, you need to understand at least a little bit about business the way that you in a way that you never had to as a salaried employee. So those are um, some of the differences. And if I think in terms of those differences, uh, is freelancing good for you or not? Um, like, let me talk through a couple of points there. Like, let's say from a financial perspective. Um, Freelancing or salaried employment, um, if you want to set a budget and um, have a very predictable income every month, salaried employment is great for that. I can tell you that for years working as an indie consultant, I would make, you know, three, four or five times as much money as I ever made in a month as an employee one month. And then I'd make literally nothing in another month. So there can be feast or famine. So from a financial perspective, if you like a lot of predictability and stability and kind of slow growth over the course of your career, um, then salary and employment is going to be pretty good. I mean, not that you can't get bonuses and promotions and stuff, but like there are a lot more hills and valleys in the income of a freelancer. It's a lot less guaranteed. So, um, I mean, there are ways to, uh, as a freelancer, kind of mitigate that. But generally speaking, freelancing isn't the most financially stable thing. There's ups and downs, and it's kind of up to you to mitigate that by keeping your dance card full. Um, in terms of the stability of work, this is a little bit counterintuitive. One of the things that I hear a lot is, you know, I don't want to go freelance because it's unstable compared to salaried employment. I would actually push back on that a lot because um, when you could think in a sense of salaried employment as a specific case of freelancing where you have one client that's the only client you're ever planning to work with and they have so much control over you and if one day that client is tired of you you're just gone and your income is gone and you have no prospects now if you're in a high demand field like a lot of you watching would probably be software engineers uh, no problem you can go and have a job in a week i mean that's a thing you could do but that being said um salaried employment isn't really more stable 
It's just on any given day less likely you're going to have to go look for work. But when your income source vanishes, it vanishes completely and totally. I mean, notwithstanding severance or anything you might get, but um, uh, I don't think of it as more stable. Actually, in my experience, the most stable possible arrangement that you could get as an indie um, would be if you were to become a freelancer, but do something um, that was not serial gigs where you were just working for one or two clients at a time. But if you were working for 10, 15, 20 clients at a time doing a small thing for all of them, that's super stable because if any one of those clients decides to part ways with you, you're only taking, you know, a eight, 10% hit to your income. That is a much more stable arrangement. Imagine uh, how you would feel if were you to walk into your office one day and your boss fired you that you're like, oh, well, I lose 8% of my income, bummer, I'll have to go find something to make up for that. Like, that's much more stable. So I guess the way I would put stability is that I don't really view salaried employment as a very stable arrangement. Um, Gig-oriented freelancing, where you take on one client after another, is also not stable. But if you go freelance and you start to um, build a book of business and ratchet down and make your offering more specific to where you can support a number of clients at the same time, that starts to become a more stable arrangement than gig freelancing or salaried employment. Um, in terms of the flexibility, I, so I see a lot of um, people that like, you know, if, if you go out and like search for freelance advice, there's all these people that are trying to sell you the lifestyle. Like I'll teach you to freelance in my master class of freelancing and like, you know, be your own boss, work from your bathtub. Like kind of, I mean, yes and no. If you go freelance and you negotiate well with clients and you have kind of a cogent sales presentation, this is how I work, this is how you communicate with me, etc. If you're very clear about those boundaries, then yes, you can exert a good bit of control over how you work and when. But I know plenty of freelancers of the gig variety, meaning that they take on a contract every six to 12 months. And that just looks a lot like employment. So if they take on a contract with a big company and that big company is like, you are a staff augmentation, you will come in, you will wear khakis, you will attend these meetings. That's just like employment. So understand if you're thinking about going freelancing, that if you're gonna realize all of that like really fun freedom about remote work and work mm-hmm. from the beach and work at night or in the day, uh, that doesn't just come with freelancing. You have to specifically carve out um, a mode of freelancing work where mm-hmm. that's true. And you have to kind of enforce those boundaries for yourself when you're um, onboarding or dealing with clients. So I will generally say that um, the flexibility you have being a freelancer, there's much higher upside than with employment. Um, And you always have the option to kind of like fire apart ways with a client much more easily and just say, well, you know, I'm done here. I'm going to find, you know, more clients and and, have more control over my life. I mean, I guess you could quit a job, but it's a little more frictional because as a freelancer, you are anticipating that your gigs end as a, as an employee, that's kind of a traumatic event where you go on LinkedIn and you're like, after many years of whatever, um, you know, so uh, in the freelance world, you are sort of better equipped to move on from clients. But if you negotiate that stuff, you can have a pretty good life. Like <clears throat> for when I went um, on my own as um, an independent consultant, one of my favorite things was structuring my work that way. And then doing things like going grocery shopping at a you know, Tuesday morning when it's just me and the senior citizens, like you, you can structure your day and your work in such a way that like, um, you realize a lot of like surprising benefits. Um, so that exists, but you have to kind of make it a reality. Um, I guess another vector, like I hadn't really talked about this in the differences, but if you think of career mobility, 
I don't know that there's an upper bound really either in the salaried world or in the freelance world. Um, but in the salary world, there's generally kind of a governor on your advancement. Like you don't just uh, move up the org chart one rung at a time every year for seven years and then you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, so it's metered. You're only going to rise in increments in the salaried world. And there's going to be a lot of kind of paying your dues and proving yourself and this, that, and the other. You can opportunistically, you know, sign on at a small but growing company or do things like that. I mean, it can happen, but it's much more measured. Freelancing is interesting because just pure freelancing, there's a pretty hard upper bound on how much money you can make. And there's certainly an upper bound on how much status you have in the industry, let's call it. Because freelancers are typically technicians, meaning you do user experience or you write software, or you do something. There aren't like organizational leader freelancers. Like I'm not a, let's say a freelance CTO isn't really a thing. So you're a technician and your kind of technician work has an hourly rate that you're charging. And there is going to be some upper bound on that hourly rate beyond which the market just won't bear it. So if you go off on your own and you say, hey, I'm hanging out my shingle as a freelance Ruby on Rails developer and I charge $400 an hour, there is literally no one on earth that will pay you to do that because it's just deemed in the market that your work isn't worth that. People will be like, what are you, a lawyer? Like, what are you talking about? So um, pure freelancing, you know, trading dollars for hours, there is a hard upper bound and it's not all that high, you know, as a Rails developer, maybe 170 bucks an hour, which if you're a salaried employee, sounds incredible, but like you have to factor in a lot of like overhead and the PTO and vacation and all that and um, understand that you only get to that upper bound after a while and then you just can't move beyond it. So your upper mobility or upward mobility as a freelancer comes when you transition into being more of a business owner and less uh, of a serial hired gun. And if you become a business owner selling a productized service, you know, bringing in staff help, etc., um, then you can start to work your way towards being the leader of this organization that you're building. And you can uh, remove kind of the cap on your income that happens when you uh, bill by the hour. So um, with freelancing or being on your own versus salaried employment, either one, there's not really an upper bound to your career, but you have a lot more control over it as a freelancer. It's more like driving a stick shift, which means you can control that a lot more, but you can also plant yourself in a ditch more easily if you don't know what you're doing. Um, I think the last thing I'd mention is a, a comparison vector. Um, you know, a lot of this has been kind of about risk and risk tolerance, a little bit about lifestyle, but like when it comes to benefits, I do want to mention this because um, there is, especially in the U.S., like the very real concern, one of the most common things I hear when people are talking about going into business for themselves or not, or one of the most common reasons for not going into business is uh, concern over uh, health insurance, specifically benefits in general. And there is no sugarcoating that. Like, I don't remember exactly what we're paying this year, but now that we just had a kid, it's something like $1,500 a month out of pocket for a health insurance plan. You probably working a nine-to-five job, you know, might pay two or $300 because your employer's covering so much of that. And your employer, unlike an individual or a freelancer, can negotiate a group rate and they've got a broker and all this kind of stuff going for them. Um, although hit subscribe is getting to the point where we might do an insurance plan and, and have some of that we don't at the moment. So I am and have been for years paying for all of our health insurance out of pocket, and that is super expensive. So when you're thinking about making the jump to freelance, uh, health insurance is the gorilla in the room. That is really the one you have to think about. But I mean, there's dental and vision, uh, long-term disability. There's other kinds of benefits that you have to pick up for yourself that your employer used to pay. And then there is the aforementioned vacation and PTO. 
So when you're planning to go freelance, you want to kind of sit down and map out, like you're not going to work uh, how many hours are in a year, like 2,080 billable hours. You're not going to work all 2,080 billable hours, five days a week, 52 weeks a year as a freelancer. You're going to take time off. You're going to take holidays. You're suddenly going to be paying a lot more for payroll taxes and benefits and stuff like that. So you need to manage that. The employer, your employer is sort of a paternalistic presence in your life. You have to ask them for permission not to come into work and you have to ask them for permission to do all kinds of things and they tell you what you're allowed to wear and so on and so forth. In exchange for all of that, they pay for a lot of stuff for you. They give you stable income. They help you manage your retirement savings. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. When you go freelance, you assume a lot more control, a lot more responsibility and a lot more flexibility with all of that stuff. So suddenly all of this stuff that you took for granted in your life you have to manage so yeah it's cool that you can wear whatever you want and you know work from midnight until 8 a.m if if that's your thing that's great but like yeah now you have to administer your own health insurance plan and uh call up blue cross blue shield and deal with their benefit specialists whereas you used to be able to just complain to somebody at hr over email and they'd straighten it out so understand that you're signing up for a lot more overhead in your own life as a freelancer um with all of that in mind, the picture maybe you're getting here is the one that I would roll this up to, which is um, it's kind of about aggregate risk reward. So I don't think that employment is more stable in terms of like um, it won't go away because it can go away in a hurry and leave you out on the cold. But employment is more holistically stable in the sense that a lot of decisions are made for you, both to your enjoyment and to your unenjoyment. Um, so being an employee, your employer thinks of a lot of stuff for you. And in exchange for that, they control a lot of stuff about you. And they put, you know, a fairly um, low regulator on how fast you can advance. If you go freelance, on the other hand, um, there are a lot more peaks and valleys. Uh, you are in a lot more control over your own destiny, but you have a lot more responsibility for all of that type of stuff. So I would um, recommend freelancing for somebody. Um, number one, it can be a great, in a partnership, a great arrangement where one of the partners is gainfully salaried employed and like that. Maybe the other one, so that you can kind of have the best of both worlds, the other partner goes off on their own to, um, you know, really shoot for the moon. So that can be a good thing. Um, a freelancer arrangement can be a good thing for somebody who just really wants to control their own destiny really wants to chase high upside or really has um, some lifestyle design things in mind. So for instance, if you want to move to a, a beach in the Caribbean and work from there, a lot easier to do that as a freelancer than working for, you know, Chase Bank or something. Um, and the final thing I'll say is my own story. Like the reason I went freelance is because I'm an outdoor cat when it comes to um, work. I, I think Jonathan Stark, I heard coin that term and it's a great one. Like I'm not meant for employment. Um, actually, I always kind of over the years liked my bosses, but um, I didn't like having a boss, if that made sense. There were always, not necessarily directly from a boss, but there was stuff rolling downhill in organizations where I would wind up working on things that I thought were stupid, doing things that I thought were stupid, doing things that I thought were pointless. And like, that's, it was just really hard for me to take over the years. I actually worked my way up the org chart not because I'm super ambitious and wanted to have power. It was because I figured that if I kept getting promotions, there would be fewer people above me to tell me to do things I thought were stupid. I realized that's not how the company works unless uh, you own the company. Then nobody can really 
tell you to do stupid things except kind of clients, but you have more control. So the long and short of it is I wound up going independent just because I came to the conclusion that I was basically unemployable. I mean, like, I, I think I was an okay employee, but I just kind of hated it. Um, so that might be another reason. Uh, if you really just chafe in every job that you have and you job hop a lot and you find yourself always in disagreement with the way things are done, you can make uh, freelancing work. It can be a good option. Um, so yeah, if you want more risk reward, more control, if you want to not be told what to do. Um, and then I guess maybe a final one I'll mention is freelancing is good if you really want a lot of variety. So if you make it a point to always kind of have relatively short duration gigs that are, you know, a month in length and you're working on just a different project every month, that really appeals to some people. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Um, hopefully that's at least passingly interesting. And um, if you are considering going freelance, one thing I will say to you is you have to be conscientious and diligent about it, build up some runway and all that, like make sure you're set up for success. But the water's okay. Like, come on in. It's, it's not that scary. It is a scary leap to take, kind of like zip lining or something. But then like once you're doing it, it's pretty exhilarating. Um, most people who are really on the fence and like worried about it and then take the jump, like I talk to more people that are happy they did that than people who exit back out and are like, oh, that was a huge mistake. And even for people that say it was a huge mistake, it's not usually like I went out of money and I'm destitute or it's not the things people worry about. It's more that they go freelance and they do it for a while and find it to be too much of a grind or they just really don't like doing sales calls. So they don't they don't wind up, you know, homeless or something. Uh, it's rather it just winds up not being what they want in the end. So you got it. You'll be able to make it happen. You know, just exercise some diligence, kind of plan things out in advance, save yourself some runway so you don't have to take on bad contracts and uh yeah, you'll do well. Hopefully that was interesting and I'll catch you next time.